Merry Christmas. And thank you for coming out here today. There's so much that we could be doing. There's so much, I'm sure, that's on your minds. I know there's a lot on our minds, family coming over, all that sort of thing. But I pray that God will bless your decision to come out and gather with the family, this family, church family, and focus on him before the festivities begin. So may the Lord bless each of you richly for that decision today, and he will. And what you hear today may be very similar to what you heard last week. But honestly, there's only so much you can preach about the birth of Jesus at Christmas without it getting old, but it really never does get old if we have the right focus. Christmas time, this time of the year, actually for us, all the time. I've often said that the church doesn't really need to make a big deal about Christmas and Easter because it's Christmas and Easter in our hearts all year long, every day. We live the resurrection life of Jesus every day. But we do. We've chosen two times of the year to really focus on it, the birth and then the death. The birth of Jesus and the death of Jesus. For believers, for the church, there's just no escaping it. It's all about Jesus. Now, last week... We asked the question, it's asked every year in churches across the land, what is Christmas all about? Who said that? Thank you, Marie. Did everybody hear that? The birth of Jesus. Correct answer. Gold star. For the Christian, for the church, Christmas is the celebration of the birth of Jesus. Ron, we have some feedback coming from something up here. Trying to move away from it, but it's still there. So listen to this. Although the Son of God is eternal, always was, always is, always will be. The Son of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Son of God is eternal. Christmas we celebrate when Jesus came on the scene. The Son of God becoming flesh, a baby boy born in Bethlehem. Jesus enters the biblical narrative. Jesus enters the scene at what we celebrate as Christmas. The Son of God, second person of the eternal Godhead, the Trinity, took on a fleshly body, became man in the form of a baby boy and was born. That's what we're celebrating at Christmas when Jesus comes on the scene. God comes into the biblical narrative, into the earth, in the biblical narrative as a baby boy, boy born in Bethlehem. And we said that Jesus' birth is a very special birth. Jesus was, Jesus is, a very unique person. He's none other than God himself come into the world as a baby boy, the Christ child. That's what we're celebrating at Christmas. Can you say it too many times? And we said there's a, there's a very specific, unique purpose in Jesus' birth. And it goes way beyond his birth. We won't rehash that. We said all that last week. You can listen to it on the podcast. But there was an express purpose in Jesus' birth, and that purpose was Jesus was born to die. But don't we all die, Pastor? Yes, we all die. Physical death. We must all die. 
because of our sin. The wages of sin is death. We have no choice. We're all going to die sooner or later because of our sin, because of sin, because of the principle of sin, because of our own personal sin. But it was never God's intention that we die. We were created to live forever. You know, there's scientific, biological proof of that in the way the body regenerates itself. It was never God's intention that human beings die. That's sin. Don't get angry at God. Get angry at sin. Get angry at the devil if you're going to get angry. We were born to have life. We were born to have eternal life. We brought death on ourselves. First in the garden with our original parents and then in our own personal lives. Unless you're here and you're without sin. The focus is on Jesus today. His birth was a very special birth, vastly different than ours. His mother was a virgin, Mary. His father was God the Holy Spirit, conceived him. His birth had to be unique. It had to be special. It had to be different than ours because his death was vastly different than ours. Jesus would die not because he had to die. We have to die. Jesus didn't have to die. Jesus could have lived forever. He had no sin. It's the wages of sin that is death. You following that? Jesus would die because he chose to die. A sacrifice for our sin. He died for our sake because of our sin. It was a choice on his part. His birth was vastly different than ours because his death is going to be vastly different than ours. We celebrate his birth at Christmas. We celebrate his death at Easter. The two are vitally connected. Interestingly enough, and you've heard me say this before, Scripture does not really instruct us to ever or ever instruct us to celebrate Jesus' birth. Is that new? Scripture never really instructs us to celebrate Jesus' birth. Man has chosen to do that. We call it Christmas. And as the song says, it can be the most wonderful time of the year. Nothing wrong with that. It's, it's not commanded in Scripture. We've chosen to do it to recognize his birth. What is commanded in Scripture and what Scripture does instruct us to celebrate is Jesus' death. We call that celebration communion. Do this in remembrance of me. In reference to celebrating Jesus' death, Scripture says, actually commands, do this in remembrance of me. So last week we focused on Jesus' birth, Christmas. This week we'll focus on Jesus' death by celebrating communion. Both events are all about Jesus. Without his birth, there could be no death. So up until a few years ago, we only celebrated communion at Easter. Then we decided that Christmas, especially since the holiday has been falling on, on, on uh, actually Christmas Day was Sunday last year, Christmas Eve day this year, we thought, what a good time to celebrate communion together. So I'm, I'm glad that you came out for that. Let me read Luke chapter 22, 15 through 20 for us. Jesus said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover meal with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks, and he said, Take this and divide it among you. 
For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. He took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. He gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup again, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Jesus was symbolically stating his physical death on the cross would set mankind free from bondage to Satan and to sin. That's what the bread represents in communion. His shed blood would cleanse mankind from sin. That's what the juice represents in communion. The bread, his physical body. The blood, the juice, his blood. Holy Communion had its origin in this event that we call the Last Supper. The church has celebrated and followed this practice of communion in some form or fashion ever since. You fast forward to the New Testament, Paul's letter to the Corinthians, and he gives us further information and further instructions on this matter of communion. And it's all about Jesus. At Christmas, it's about Jesus' birth. At Easter, it's about Jesus' death. This is all about Jesus. It's always all about Jesus the most powerful name, the highest name, exalted above all others, at, at the name of which all others will bow their knee and all tongues will confess that Jesus is Lord. Christmas is all about Jesus, his birth. Easter is all about Jesus, his death, which will again celebrate communion then. But today we're going to focus on his birth and celebrating who he is. There are some instructions given to the church for communion. 1 Corinthians 11, I passed on to you what I received from the Lord himself. So Paul has this from Jesus himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Practice this. My followers, believers, the church I'm building, practice this when you gather he doesn't tell us how often to practice it, but he says it does need to be incorporated into our gatherings. And this is an obvious reference to the Last Supper. Continuing, in the same way he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. You're focusing on Jesus until he comes. The bread representing Jesus' body, which was broken, refers to his physical death for us. Keep in mind, he did not have to do it. The cup representing Jesus' blood that was shed refers to his physical death for us, the body and the blood, for the forgiveness of sin. The repeated phrase, do this in remembrance of me, is an admonishment to his followers, believers, the church. Continue in this practice until he comes again. We will do that today. It's all about Jesus. And as we move into communion, I want us to focus on Jesus. I'll give some further instructions and we'll actually take communion together. Do this in remembrance of me. Instructions for us at CCF today, the way we do things. Anyone here, regular worshiper or visitor, 
who has professed faith in Jesus Christ as personal Savior and Lord, is welcome to join with us in communion. We welcome all those who know and are following Jesus as their Savior and Lord to remember him with us. We may not all go to the same local church, but if we know Jesus, we're all part of the same church. We're all part of the same body. A gentle warning. I did not continue on in 1 Corinthians 11, but there is a gentle warning there. It says, before you enter into communion, let every person examine themselves. If you've taken communion here before, you know what we think about that examining yourself. It's not an examination to disqualify us. It's an opportunity for us to check out, kind of gauge, what's our relationship with the Lord right now? Is there anything that maybe we've let slip? Is there anything maybe that we've let sneak in? And it's an opportunity to take care of that. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. He will forgive us our sins, and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the purpose of the examine yourself before you come and take the elements. It is not to disqualify. It's to give opportunity for honest evaluation. Lastly, children of any age in our church are welcome to participate. However, we do ask that parents or guardians... You make sure as much as you can, as much as they can, understand what's going on. They're not going to understand all the theological implications of communion because who of us does, right? But that they know that this isn't just a joke, it's not a game, it's not just something to come up here and eat and get something to drink. They understand there's some significance to that. And if you feel they understand that to whatever their age-appropriate level then they are welcome to participate in communion with us. Congregation, when I give the word, and you are going to, if you are going to partake in communion, come to the center aisle on the same side that you're on, proceed up to the table on your side. The men will serve you. Don't eat or drink at that time. Take it back to your pew with you and hold it. At the end, we will all eat and drink together as one body, celebrating the Lord Jesus. Okay? So, first of all, the elders who are helping serve, will you come forward? Justin and uh, Dan, you'll take that side. Jamie and Josh, you'll take this side. One of you serve the bread. One of you serve the juice. And now that they're in position, Ron, you can start the music. And as you feel led to come, stand up. Come the center aisle, go back the side aisle.